It's card subject to change, and you know what that means. The Honorable One and the Wizard are reviewing AEW's full gear on this week's podcast. MJF took on Moxley for the world title. Did the devil get his due? The boys will cover all that and more in this fully loaded pay-per-view event put on by All Elite Wrestling. And as always, you can catch Card Subject to Change on the Four Frequency Stake Podcast Network, along with Educated Ignorance, The Data Lab, and other great podcast content. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, For Frequency Sake proudly brings to you its podcast, Champions of the Quad Cities, The Wizard, CZ, The Honorable, Nick Bull, Card, Subject to Change. Nick, we are live for the first time, coming to you on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm excited. I know we don't have our cameras up. We've just got our logo. We're getting there, but how you feeling today, brother? Hey, I'm feeling great. Great intro. That's a hard thing to follow there, but uh, yeah, the, the we are card subject to change, and you're in the right place if you want to talk about wrestling, and I'm feeling great. A little tired after last night's event, but we got plenty to talk about from last uh, from Full Gear. We do. It's a, it's a stacked card. We've got a bunch of matches to talk about. Uh, let's get right into it because we start things off hot inside the steel cage with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Yeah, I wanna, this. I want to start off talking just about the cage itself, Nick. I, I always like AEW's cage. It's unique. It's not right on the right against the apron. It, it extends down. The door is right at the entryway. It's it seems a little taller than the WWE cage too to me. Is, am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong with with that. I, it does seem a little bit taller. Um, maybe that's our eyes playing a trick on us because there's like you know there's a the little extra room on the outside. Um, I, I've I've never had a problem with AEW's cage, um, and I hope it's something they stick <laughs> with. I hope they don't change it up. I think it's been fine so far and. And I think the last time we had a cage match in AEW might have been at All Out 2021 when it was the Luchas against the Young Bucks for the tag titles. I know we've had blood and guts matches, but yeah, yeah I like this cage and I hope story. it's something that AEW sticks with. I agree. I think the setup is really good. And this rivalry at this stage, honestly, I think needed a cage match. You've got Christian Cage, who's interfered in every uh, every match that they've been in, uh, to Jungle Boy's dismay, you know, ca- uh, causing havoc. Now he's not a factor, or that's the that's the intention, we should say. Well, that's always the intention with with the cage match, right? But is there a cage match where there is an outside interference? Is there a cage match where there isn't drama with the key at the door? I mean, it's all. It's all tied in, I guess. But yeah, you save your cage matches for your blow-off feuds, and and for sure here with Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and Luchasaurus, um, former AEW World Tag Team title holders themselves. Um, I under I understand that they want to push Jungle Boy as a singles, but I think the biggest mis- one of the biggest mistakes they did was break these guys up. I, I just don't think. On their own, they can succeed, but together they can. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. I I think they were better as a team, and 
this may have just been a little too soon to to break them up, honestly. Well, you know, <clears throat> in wrestling, everything always, you know, is cyclical and it never goes around, comes around type of deal. But yeah, this was the opener and um, it wasn't long and it wasn't long and Jungle Boy has got the crimson mask. I, I, I did a double take. I got up to get my food, sat down. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got blood already. Yeah, thanks to Luchasaurus using the cage as a cheese grater on his face, on Jungle Boy's face, Jungle Boy is covered in blood really early on. <sighs> really early on. Another thing I noted, he has the long sideburns now, like his late father, Luke Perry, kind of growing them out a little bit. And yeah. kind of some discussion on the play-by-play and the commentary, commentary team, Jim Ross, uh, Excalibur and Taz on, you know, he's going to drop the Jungle Boy and just be Jack Perry. I'm okay with that. I don't think that's a bad move, honestly. <clears throat> yeah, I would say now that he's kind of, quote-unquote, slayed the dragon or the dinosaur, if you will, I think he can be Jack Perry, and I think that's fine. I don't think anybody's going to throw a fit over him dropping the Jungle Boy thing. That remains to be seen. I don't know if he will or not. It's just kind of I've something I've thought about. I mean, look at the young bucks. What happens? What happens now? They're not young anymore. Like, do you become the the middle aged bucks, the, the old bucks? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that is. A I've always kind of wondered that. You know, I we all grow older. I mean, I'm not a young spring chicken anymore, but uh, I wouldn't uh, indicate that either. But regardless, Jungle Boy, I when they kicked it off with the cage match. Um, you know, looking at the 10-match card, I guess that made sense. And I also believe they wanted to give this match as much time as possible. So putting it earlier in the show on the card allows that. You're not up against time constraint. So that's true. You do, you do have a time and you know a time, you know, uh, to adhere to, but I think they put these guys on first, so this thing had had time to breathe and evolve. And as as we stated, this is the first match on the card. This is also the first match of the night where the crowd is giving us a this is awesome chant. It doesn't take long for the crowd to get heated up and into the show. <clears throat> it, it didn't take long, but we'll talk about this throughout the, you know, the podcast with different matches. I just thought the crowd seemed dead as different points during the show, and we'll address that and why they were. But yeah, the crowd was into it for the opener. Excited, obviously, it's a cage match. It's a off feud. You got blood. And, of course, when there's a cage match, it, it, you're eventually going to have a high spot, are you not? Right, exactly. Absolutely. So, Jungle Boy, uh, Luchasaurus gets thrown on the table that he brought into the ring, which, before we get to that, Christian Cage does get involved. He walks over and he gingerly steals the key out of the referee's pocket. Referee doesn't notice that he got pickpocketed by uh, by Christian. Christian <laughs> unlocks the cage. Chaos ensues outside. Christian gets dragged away by security. Jim Ross, eager to point out, don't hurt his arm. Don't mess with his arm. Uh, because his arm is still in a sling. And Jungle Boy, or not, I'm sorry, Luchasaurus, is grabbing as much plunder as he can. Plunder, if you will, as Dusty would say. From plunder. <laughs> <laughs> grabs a table, grabs a couple of chairs. That goes inside the cage. But much to Luchasaurus's 
chagrin. The ca- the the ch- uh, table gets used on him. He lays prone. Jungle Boy to the top of the cage comes off with a flying elbow that just kind of nicks Luchasaurus. Not the best elbow in the world, not the worst, but it did break the table. It was enough to do what it needed to do. And then Jack Perry locks the snare trap in. Luchasaurus has no tap, no no choice but to tap out. And then we have the conclusion of our first match. Yeah, you talk about that that elbow when when Jungle Boy hits him with the elbow. I feared for Jungle Boy because he didn't get enough of Luchasaurus. I felt to break his fall. You want to break your fall, yeah. And him just glancing the table and the side of Luchasaurus really didn't slow down his fall as much as it should have. And that's kind of what I had my eyes on. Like, I th- I hope he's okay. Yeah, that could have ended up a lot worse than it did. Anytime you're coming off of something that high that that high up, you want something to break your fall and. I, I hope Jungle Boy didn't injure himself. I haven't seen or heard any reports today that he has, so I'm assuming he's all right. But you gotta you gotta fear for that kind of thing when you see something like that happens and it doesn't quite hit solid as it should. Right. <clears throat> Hopefully he's okay. He uh, wins the feud for now, but I think this is long from over. You know, since Christian Cage is still on the shelf, there's still some unfinished business there between uh, Jack Perry and with Christian. Absolutely, there is. And, you know, we move right on to the next match, and this is what everybody has been waiting for, except possibly me and you. Uh, Not that we we aren't excited for the match. Uh, We have both expressed our opinion on the quote-unquote elite uh, in the past. Not the biggest fans. Not saying they're ter- they're bad at all. Just uh, you know, a lot of their politicking and their policies are not what Nick and I agree with. But here come here we go. It's time for the the trios match with the Death Triangle and the returning elite. Uh, the returning elite. We get the video. I can't remember what the video transcribed. It's talking about how. Uh, these guys have been sent away. They've lost their way. And then we are greeted by probably the most overplayed classic rock song of all time. Kansas is carry on my wayward son. The, uh, the bucks uh, channeling their inner Winchesters of supernatural fame on this one. Yes. Uh, they are uh, greeted for good pop in the crowd. This is the first time we have seen, uh, the Elite, Kenny Omega, and Matt and Nick Jackson since All Out when they won the Trios um, final against uh, Hangman Adam Page and an assortment of Dark Order. We all know what happened post-show. This is the first time we have seen them. Their return has been teased uh, the coming weeks with cryptic videos and such. I thought the videos were okay. I, I, I didn't mind them. I thought it was a good way to bring them back in. If that's yeah. how after they've been gone for a while, and and I had no problems with them facing the death triangle here. Did not bother me one bit. No, I, I don't have an issue with 
Um, with what? the match, I don't have an issue with the athleticism of Kenny and the Bucks. My issue, we've talked about it. We're not going to bring the negativity onto the podcast. It's their politicking. It's the way that they are handling themselves in AEW. My biggest gripe is should we're not going to go into this too much, but I'll touch it. We we haven't touched a lot on our opinion of the the media scrum debacle. Should CM Punk have said what he said? No, absolutely not. Should the Bucks have resorted to violence following it? No. And just the fact that the Bucks are back and Punk is now ostracized, that bothers me. I don't care for either of them personally because of, for the same reason I've stated, the Bucks, the CM Punk, they have their, they have their own political agendas. But as far as athleticism goes, I'm happy they're back there. They put on good matches. This is, <clears throat> this is no exception. Uh, this is the second match of the night and the second match where the crowd is chanting, this is awesome. Yeah, second match in, and these guys, I, I like Death Triangle. I, the, obviously, the Elite, they work together. These guys pick kind of right up where they left off. You don't even know that Omega and the Bucks have been gone for, you know, off TV for X amount of weeks or however many weeks it's been since Labor Day weekend. I don't know off the top of my head. Two months about is what they say on com- what they've said on commentary, so... You know, yeah, many you believe know. Many, no many believe this was the match of the night <clears throat> on the card um, post show. Everybody thought this was this was the best match. I I won't I, take away anything from the match. It's athletic. It's competitive. The only problem I ha- the only problem I have with Death Triangle and Bucks and Omega, and you're gonna know it, I. I said this during the match. I've seen this a million times already. I know they're trying to put over their trios division, but they might need to put over their tag division first before they worry about trios. Yeah. I, I, I said to the outside wrestling fan, who wants to see these guys wrestle every time? Well, apparently everybody does, and we'll get to that in a second. But it's it's a fantastic match. I enjoyed it. I was sitting and I was sitting uh, with with uh, elite fans watching it, and and yeah, I it was a fun and entertaining match. I I can't take anything away from them uh, in the ring or whatnot. But I've seen the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers work together so many times. It's like I I've kind of seen it all with them, right? Yeah, if this is if this is the only trios match we're going to get for the trios title, I I've seen enough. I mean, you've got some other trios on there. You've got Dark Order. You've got the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Throw some variety in there. Don't just have it always be the Bucks and the Death Triangle. I mean, how often have we seen a trios match since um, since All Out? other than crowning the new trios champions once the Bucks were stripped of the titles. Once the now, elite, I'm sorry. We talk about how a cage match is like the blow-off to a feud. Is there enough quote-unquote bad blood here to have a best of seven? 
Oh my god. <laughs> uh, no. I'm going to say no. But uh, yeah, that is a great thing to bring up here. I got we put the, the cart we put the cart before the horse there. Match is yeah. athletic, highly competitive. What it comes down to is Pac finally gets one of the Lucha brothers, I believe it was uh, Ray, uh, Ray Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, who believe in the power of the hammer, the ring, the ring bell hammer. And that's when the hammer, Pac hands the hammer to Ray Phoenix, Phoenix. And Ray is put up on Omega's shoulders <clears throat> for the one winged angel, Omega's finisher. Ray uses the hammer unbeknownst to Omega that he had it, knocks Omega cold, rolls him up, and the champs retain. And I thought that was a great finish. I, I like the fact that the bastard finally talked one of his, his trio's teammates into using the hammer. <clears throat> but as we find out later in the night, like Nick said, this is leading to a best of seven series between these two teams and I agree is this really necessary <clears throat> I don't know that remains to be seen I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold my judgment until I see a few more matches um I mean and, it has potential to be a good rivalry oh it's a I great it it's does. a great rivalry but for seven dynamites in a row now, or for the next quote unquote six dynamites, because this thing's going seven, right? Yeah. If so, I don't know. They're going to cram the elite and the death triangle down our throats. That's how I feel. Seven weeks in or six weeks in a row, we're going to get. I I want. I'm going to say the same match. I hope it's not. It's the same match on paper. I hope they're able to pull something different out each time. Something unique, something that's going to grab our attentions. I just don't know that they can. Yeah, remains to be seen. Um, you know, after last night's show, I felt like they, they've, as AEW as a whole, has steadied, you know, has steadied the ship. You know, they're in, they're in, you know, they're not in, dismay like they were just days after all out remember remember how things were like what's gonna happen it's kind of got the ship righted now um they've got people in places and they're you know it, the next line of stories is, is being set up but um we have <coughs> excuse me. we have death triangle retain of course they will have match two on uh, this coming Wednesday's Dynamite, which is in Chicago, night before Thanksgiving. So that will be a raucous crowd. I'll be interested to see uh, how the crowd reacts um, to the elite and how they react to CM Punk, you know, no longer or presently not being on camera or with the company. And Chicago, of course, being AEW's Thanksgiving tradition, we've got the WWE's Thanksgiving tradition coming up next week in Survivor Series War Games. AEW every Thanksgiving is in Chicago, or has been the last three years. Yeah, it's the night before Thanksgiving. It's going to be a big show, especially after, you know, what happens on the rest of this card. We got one more match we're going to cover here before we head to break. Yeah. And, and in, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm just going to say this is the uh, 
the Who Cares Championship match. I I don't really I'm not invested in the TBS title. I'm not invested in either of these wrestlers. They're that's not taking away their in ring abilities. It's just they AEW has failed to give me a reason to care about these two. Maybe it's just me. Uh, you've covered the match. Uh, this match could have been on the pre-show, and I still wouldn't have cared. Um, Jade Cargill is green. She's got the look. She can talk, but she's still a ways away um, from being the top in that women's division. That's not a knock on her. Okay? Nyla Rose doesn't do anything for me in the women's division. I know they're trying to give Jade somebody more experience and a bigger name to work with and and to have a victory. Despite that, that could have been done on the pre-show. Nyla wrote... Sorry, I didn't mean to to jump on you there. You're not jumping. The biggest things (laughs) I have noted, Vicky Vicky Guerrero comes out wearing her Rhea Ripley shirt. I'm your mommy. I know it's not. But I know she's paying tribute to Eddie with that shirt, but really it looks like uh, <clears throat> it it looks like she's wearing Rhea Ripley's shirt in an AEW uh, show. And Jade Cargill comes out in what in the hell, what in the name of Saturday morning cartoons is she wearing here? I know what she was wearing. She's Chitara from Thundercats. Come on I, now. I'm aware. But I I looked at that and I'm like, are you really wearing this to the ring? Wizard. Wizard. That was the best part of the match. Okay, that's fair. I'll that was the that, best but... part of the match besides it getting over with was Jade Cargill cosplaying <laughs> Chitara from Thundercat. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I guess I, I guess I got to concede to that. The, the match itself was just whatever. I mean, this is the Orange Cassidy of matches. Hailing from whatever, hailing yeah. in at whatever. They could have had this on the Rampage the night before, and it would have been just fine. Yeah. <clears throat> but like you said, Nick, we're going we're gonna to toss the break. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll go into the ROH Championship match, which I'm really excited to talk about. But meantime, we'll be right back. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. Hey, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. If you're tuning in live, welcome. This is our first live broadcast. Uh, we are coming, we are broadcasting on Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter, and YouTube for the first time. Uh, but Nick, uh, we've, got a, we've got a heck of a match that we're going to talk about next. Uh, we've got Four of the greatest wrestlers in AEW, in my opinion, going after the um, the ROH World Championship. Yeah, this was probably one of the 
top two or three matches I was looking forward to most on the card just because of the storyline. Like, you know, who's going to dethrone Jericho? Who's the one that's going to take him, you know, take him down? And for a hot second there, um, you know, we almost had the ending of the Jericho Appreciation Society and a new champion. But uh, these four guys are great workers. Um, the styles work well with each other. When you got Jericho, Guevara, and Danielson about the same size, and then you got a Claudio Castagnoli in there who can just throw those guys around. It looks great. <laughs> you also have the dynamic of two of those guys being uh, Jericho Appreciation Society members, and you also have two of the guys from the, the Blackpool Combat Club. These guys have been feuding all year. Remember Double or Nothing? The uh, Was it Double or Nothing, the arena match? Arena Anarchy yeah. in the arena. So these guys have been feuding all year. So you had that going into it as well. And, of course, um, Danielson and, and Claudio are both former Ring of Honor World uh, Champions. So that all tied into this. That's why that was one of the you know top two or three matches for me on the card looking forward to it. And uh, I thought it delivered. I really did. I was really entertained by this match. It wasn't a dull moment. I, didn't <clears throat> I, 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 was, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, lots of action going through this match. And I want to I wanna give a shout-out to AEW ring announcer Justin Roberts. I just love the way he brings Sammy Guevara into the ring. They call him the Spanish God. The way he says that, just it gets me every time. I'm, okay, and- I'm going right, to... Oh, hold on here. Let me get my pen out. I'm going to write, listen for Guevara's intro. I'm going to definitely start listening for that. I, I love it. It's, they call him uh, a Justin Spanish Roberts. guy. And it's, it, I didn't do it justice. The Spanish so what? How can we, now, let's get selfish here for a second. How can we spin that and make that sound good for you? Ooh. That's a, that's a good question. Like, like an intro for me? They call him a QC guy. Yes, I love it. <laughs> they call him a podcast god. <laughs> <laughs> if you intro me like that every week, I would not be upset. Okay, well, we'll see what we can do. We'll work that into uh, you know, we'll work that into the contract here. But yeah, I I love the in ring ability of all four of these men. Uh, Guevara is really coming into his own. I think. Uh, deserves to be in this title match. And the, just like you said, the dynamic of two members being in the Blackpool Combat Club, two members being in the Jericho Appreciation Society, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And, you know, uh, loyalties are going to be tested, correct? Uh, the bounds are going to be pushed by all four teams. And that's what I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to the Jericho on Guevara violence. I was looking forward to the... Um, the Claudio Danielson uh, violence against each other. And we got all of that and more. We got all that and more. There were some really good spots in this match. I really liked when Claudio had uh, Jericho. Was it in the walls or was it in the sharpshooter? Uh, the sharpshooter. And then, you know, Brian Danielson jumps on with a LaBelle lock. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, stuff like that. That works well in those matches. And these guys, I, I'm not going to give you a, a, a move by move breakdown, but uh, 
I mean, I have it if you want it, but uh, yeah, I, 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 want I, I don't want to. I want you to give me the move by move breakdown because I I was focusing, I was focusing a lot on Guevara in this match because one of these things is not like the others, right? The young guy, lesser accomplished, but I thought he did a really good job of hanging in this match, and. He took some bumps, man, but he sure had some shine as well. And, you know, being a former three-time TNT champion, he deserved to be there. He he earned his place in this match. A uh, couple things that I have noted outside the match. Jericho, being the dishonorable heel that he is, but the fans always still love to sing along with Judas as he comes to the ring. Uh, on commentary, so you've got Excalibur, Jim Ross, and... Um, is it Taz that's doing the the main show? Refresh my yeah. memory. Yes, Taz, Excalibur, and Jim Ross were the commentary team. On this one, you have the added element of Ian Riccoboni. Uh, my question to you, are there too many cooks in the kitchen during this match on the commentary table? No, because there's so much more action to call with four guys. You got to have Riccoboni in there being the, the Ring of Honor play-by-play guy. Uh, it's a great touch. I like it. If there were four guys on commentary all night, yes, that'd be too many cooks in the kitchen. But for this instance, you know, one of those guys can kind of take a lesser role in this match. I could. It doesn't bother me that there were four people and Riccoboni calling this match. Okay. For this match, I can agree with that. If, Like you said, if it were the whole night, then I would have issues. I'm not a fan of multi-multi-man booths. I know that AEW is notorious for having too many people, in my opinion, on commentary on a regular basis. Whether it's Jericho stepping in with three other people, uh, I believe Rampage is the big the big one that's notorious for having too many people, I think, on their commentary table for that show. I mean, my problem with AEW's commentary is they bring in too many guest commentators on a regular basis. And so I'm you- not... I'm so not you want who they bring in. You want more continuity. That's what you're trying to tell me. That's what you're telling the audience here on the Card Stuff Exchange podcast. You just want more continuity. And I, I can understand that. I mean, I don't have a problem with multi-man booths. Um, for me, preferably, I like the two-man booth. That's my favorite of all. Uh, go back to JR and, and Jerry Lawler. That's going to be my commentary team for life. WCW had the three-man booth. I'm not upset with that. Well, we also but, had Shavani, <laughs> Shavani called some matches last night, too. That's true. And here's the thing. It didn't happen in this in this show, but every time a member of the Blackpool Combat Club comes out, William Regal joins the commentary team. Not saying anything negative towards William Regal. I love him to death. He's a great commentator. He's a great character. But does he need to be out there at every single time there's a match there? I don't think so. Don Callis uh, came uh, out with the elite. Did he need to be there? Right, right. That's kind of an ongoing thing they do, you know? I mean, I guess we haven't really seen that anywhere else. Um, yeah, I, when, when, you, when you think about how many people do come by, yeah, you're right. It is kind of like a too many cooks in the kitchen type of deal. Normally, I'm perfectly fine with Excalibur and Taz. 
bring Jim Ross in, obviously for the specialty matches, the big ones. And then Tony Schiavone can be your third commentator that does the interviews as well. Just as long as he introduces Sting, that's all I care, okay? <laughs> yes. Okay? Uh, so with that being I, said, I, get down with I understand you want some continuity. If they want to do, like, the rotating commentary booth thing, save it for Rampage. Do it on a Friday night, and if it gets traction, then that's when you, that's when you take off with it. But I would just save it for Rampage. I I can I can concede to that. Yeah, I agree. I think I think more consistency consistency more continuity is good, but save the save the rotating commentators for Rampage. But let's let's get back into this match because the action is fantastic. Uh there's some great moments between Jericho and Guevara on both sides of the fence where <clears throat> Guevara is there bowing to Jericho's will and making sure Jericho is getting his shine on. And then there's moments where Guevara's just had enough. It's like, I'm in this title match too. I want to win the belt. At the, you know, the heart of the matter, even the heels deal with moral dilemmas, correct? Correct. Should I or shouldn't I? And at the end of the day, they're both rotten people, you know, storyline. So that, I love to see that struggle and I loved. I know Danielson and, and Claudio had some very good exchanges. And my my favorite exchange of the whole night came between Jericho and Guevara, though. I agree. Claudio and Danielson, they had some great matches. There was one moment where Jericho goes over, gives his protege a hug, and then Sammy hits him with the go to hell, the GTH, and follows it up with a shooting star press and damn near gets the pinfall. <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh no! Here we go. That's that's when I was introducing this match and having Guevara and how I thought he carried his weight. That's the near fall that got me out of my seat. Like I couldn't believe it. I thought that was it. I I thought so too. I I, I was so excited, and then for that to just be a near fall, I'm like, oh come on! But that that was my favorite exchange in the whole thing. Up until the very end, the last moments are what really got me. How Jericho retained his title on Claudio, because that just came out of nowhere. Claudio is in the big swing with Sammy Guevara, and here comes Jericho with this flying, he goes halfway across the the ring to hit the Judas effect on Claudio. That was all. Now listen, I totally agree. The haters out there are going to hate and say that he botched it, but he really didn't. When Guevara no. was getting spun by Claudio that fast, for Jericho to even connect on it, it was something. And then for good measure, he buried him with the second one. But I loved it, too. I loved how he jumped in there. Kamikaze, like, this is my last shot. He swung and hit a home run. It was. I loved how that ended. As much as people <coughs> as much as people don't like Jericho as the Ring of Honor World Champion, um, Jericho's doing a great job playing the role of the heel and quote unquote bringing dishonor to that championship. Jericho is doing what he needs to do. This is this is my favorite storyline going on in AEW right now because 
you don't know who's going to take that belt off of the Ocho. You yeah, really don't. You, it, it's been it's been a head scratcher, right? It's been an absolute head scratcher. Like, who's it going to be? You know, they got such a short list, and will it be somebody we've already seen? I don't know, and that remains to be seen. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, when I think Jericho's next title defense will be, or when it should be. Um, but Jericho retains, and well, we can talk about it now. I guess I mean, the next. Yeah, the next might as well just talk about it now. Next show is final battle, you know, final battle for Ring of Honor on December 10th. Historically, if you know Ring of Honor, that's their biggest show of the year outside of the WrestleMania weekend shows. Does Jericho, I mean, you would think the ROH world title would be defended on that. I think he will. I just don't know who the next challenger will be, but. Well, Jericho's got a gotta think that's the next, ahead of him next week, too. He does, and we'll get to that later. Got to think maybe after this match, he's done until final battle because that's just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, you got to think. Uh, I, you know, we're we're four matches into the show. We had one match that was okay, whatever. Two matches that are really phenomenal. Th- three matches, sorry, three matches that are really phenomenal. I didn't catch, you know, three out of four matches. Did we get in a this is awesome chant during the ROH match? I don't know because it was that crazy. If we didn't, we damn well should have. We got a lot of good stuff there. Um, I wish I could go back and watch that match again because I know there's stuff I missed. That um, was arguably my favorite match on the whole card. There were there were a couple that are all all in real close contention. That's what wrestling should be. That match was fun. It was. Regardless of who, regardless of who you wanted to win, I didn't want Jericho to win. But damn it, he did his job as the heel and retain and keep that storyline going. That match was fun. I I got to find a stream, go back and watch that match. That's probably the first match I'll go back and watch. I'm not saying it was my favorite on the show, um, but I'm glad this match happened right here on the card. It, I couldn't have put it in a better place. Some I of their agree. stacking of the rest of the matches was very questionable and we'll get into, but I couldn't. This was the perfect spot on the show for this match, and it'd be the match I'd probably go back and watch along with the trios match if, you know, if I find a stream. And you know we're let's let's just keep it going. And the next match is a big rivalry match that's been building. This is first match back in the ring in five years for the artist formerly known as Paige Soraya, making her in-ring debut for AEW against the Doctor Britt Baker DMD. Uh, on paper, this is a good matchup. This is a this is a really great combination of wrestlers here. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. It's uh, the artist formerly known as Paige Soraya. First match since 2017. These promos have these promos between these two. The build to this match is, is felt great because you know why? It feels real. They've both gotten personal. You know, and Britt's taking offense that she's the new kid on the block. Britt wants respect. You know, this is my house, bitch. But and without, you and I talked without, off air. This is Britt's 
match. She she needs to win this match. This is uh, uh, this is when I absolutely lost my crap on this pay per view. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you. Take I it from, talked with you before the show that Doctor Britt Baker, D M D, and by the way, the crowd seemed dead during this match. I don't think the crowd didn't seem to care that that was Soraya's first match in five years. Regardless, Doctor Britt Baker, D M D, had to win this match. You want to know why? Easy, you know why already, but I'm going to tell the audience why. Hey, AEW marks. It's just another WWE wrestler coming over and beating an AEW wrestler. That's the first thing I see when I see that match. Two, Dr. Britt Baker DMD is the Charlotte Flair of your division. She doesn't need the belt to be what she is. Charlotte's not putting over people like that. Neither should Dr. Britt Baker. Okay. You've said this is your house. You build it brick by brick, brick by brick. That don't mean anything now because she pinned you clean as a sheet. One, two, three. Um, I could understand Britt Baker losing if there were some hijinks, you know, something backfired with, uh, with her corner. I could get it. But having Soraya win this takes an already bad women's division and totally craps all over it by having Britt Baker lose, in my opinion. And, Soraya you know, didn't need to win that match. Soraya won that match by competing in that match and finishing. She did not need to win. And now, uh, it's, to me, it's just another. It, to me, it's another WWE person coming over and winning an AEW. And, you know, my my notes on this match at the end, I have it noted down here. Eric Bischoff called. He wants his company back. Think about yeah, that. I, I, listen, I was more <laughs> pissed off. Listen to me. You're right. That's a great point. I was more pissed off about this match than seeing the Young Bucks on my screen. And you know how much I just don't like the Young Bucks. Yeah, the booking of this match. I guess I watch wrestling for the shock value too, right? And I was shocked as crap that they had Britt Baker lose clean as a sheet. I I couldn't believe it. I was beside myself. Uh, homegrown talent in Britt Baker, best women's wrestler on their in the women's division on their roster and here comes this former WWE talent like they've done before and just completely shit on their their homegrown talent completely maybe it's going to lead to a bigger thing okay Um, I do have a retraction to AEW at the end of the show if you want to hear me apologize to AEW I will um from a previous uh, from previous uh, social media comments I've made, but I just I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Not only did we have to experience Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose on pay per view, we also had to watch Doctor Britt Baker lose to Soraya, and we don't even know if Soraya is going to wrestle another match. I mean, she's probably not going to be full time. 
so no, you got to think. Where's all? Where, where's? <sighs> I, you know, everybody wanted to hate on Lesnar for being full time or being part time and being a champion and only wrestling a handful of matches. What people don't understand about Lesnar is he draws money. He's an attraction, and people want to see him. You took the words right out of, literally right out of my mouth. I was about to say exactly that. Soraya you know, beating on Brock Lesnar, like like you said, but I agree. Go go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. Britt, Britt Baker is the draw of that company. I'd say she's one, probably one of the four faces of that company. You know, but they you talked just, about you killers. can't have her losing to Soraya here. I'm sorry, you just can't. So you're telling me your top wrestler in your company, your top female, just lost to somebody who hadn't wrestled a match in five years. Storyline or not, it's not. They made the wrong booking decision. I hope it writes itself. I'm not too optimistic after that match. And you you mentioned it before. If this had not been a clean finish, I would have been okay with it. Have Rebel and Jamie Hayter come in. I know they they're both involved in later in the night in a match, but have one of them with Britt cause the interference that that cost Britt Baker the match inadvertently. Don't put someone who hasn't wrestled for five freaking years over your top star in the women's division. Don't do it. I. That was the most disappointed in the night that I got. We're not going to keep it. We're going to turn the positive around. You have any more you want to say about this match? I I think you said it all. I okay. think we have we have covered everything. So I I hey I am in my zen right now. I'm in my I'm in my studio. We're talking wrestling. You're in your studio. The sun's shining. We're going to take a break. I'm going to take a drink. We're going to cleanse the palate here. And then we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the rest of the show, and uh, thankfully the action and excitement picked up after the uh, air was sucked out of the crowd. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna toss to break here. Everybody, take a few moments, take a couple of deep breaths, reset your zen, reset your focus. We'll be right back. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at Four Frequency Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out 4FantasySakeQC.com this season for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is 4FantasySakeQC.com for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. Welcome back to the Card Subject to Change podcast. Uh, we are we are well into the AEW's full gear. We've got five matches, I believe, left to cover here, and business is about to pick up. Yeah, I believe I believe Tad Taz said it accordingly, but I will reiterate: we have got a three-way. Hey! Oh my goodness! Three of the biggest dudes in the company are going to go kick the shit out of each other for about 10 minutes, and everybody's going to enjoy it. You've got Wardlow, the War Dog, holding the TNT Championship. Samoa Joe, the ROH Television Champion, and 
powerhouse Hobbs. Nick, let me ask you this. Is powerhouse Hobbs going to be one of the biggest stars in the WWE in the near future? Uh, if AEW doesn't treat him accordingly and book him accordingly, yeah, you'll see him over in the other brand. Hobbs is going to be a star. I thought going into this, uh, with the friends I was watching with, we were kind of doing a pick em. I thought Hobbs was going to go over, but not on Wardlow. I thought he'd get the pin on Joe or get the win on Joe so Wardlow could have his stake back at the belt. There was kind of shenanigans like that as we'll get to here in a few moments, but dude, I wish these guys wrestled for 20 minutes. I know they'd be dead at the end of it, but my goodness, <laughs> this was this was a fun match. This this picked the show back up for me, and I think this match is this match and the next match are what saved the show for me. I don't have a whole lot of notes on this match. Uh, Nick, I believe I told you I I was I I was in and out of this whole pay-per-view. I was I was trying my best not to be distracted, but I had people talking to me in the house, people calling me on the phone, text messages rolling in, and this is one of the matches that got interrupted. Now, so, let me let me reiterate, none of those interruptions were from me. No, no, Nick okay, did not okay. interrupt me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, uh, I had a good friend call me and stupid me for answering, but sitting here taking notes, I was just going to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of busy, but the first thing he says, and it throws me out, he's like, how's the pay-per-view? Like, and it, it threw me out of my, out of, out of my everything. I'm like, uh, that's what you're going to find out tomorrow when we record, dude, I'm trying to take notes. <laughs> right. Right. Well, Hey, Hey, next time, just know, oh, next time, you know, just don't answer your phone. Yeah. Have to turn the phone on silent and set it somewhere where it's not in reach. But that caused me, this was a blink and you miss it moment for me because the phone rings. I pick it up to let the guy know, hey, I'm busy. I'll call you later. And he throws me for a loop and I missed the, completely missed the end of this match. Well, I'm, I'm get, watching. I'm a, I'll get you there to it. But the presentation of these three guys in this match, their entrances, they're all made to look larger. Life, they all look the part. You know, Wardlow's chiseled powerhouse. Hobbs is big, chiseled Samoa Joe. Big and always been Samoa Joe. That's why I like Samoa Joe. That's probably what I'd look like wrestling with Samoa Joe. You know, my gut and some shorts. That's why I've, I, always, I always root for Samoa Joe. But the action was great. Uh, Wardlow uh, doing a tope suicida onto both Samoa Joe and Hobbs as they're uh, as they were standing. That was a high point for me. Um, Wardlow showing his versatility. Hey, is he a future world champion uh, on another in another promotion? Quite possibly. I'm if telling they, you, if, I, they I, don't, I, if they don't treat him right here, yeah, for sure. It's going to be uh, one of those things, and I and I. <clears throat> And I'm starting to wonder because at the end of this match, we have Hobbs destroying Wardlow with the spine busters. Samoa Joe was outside. Samoa Joe comes back in, jumps Hobbs, puts him in the Kojina clutch, and the ref stops it. So Wardlow wasn't pinned. Hobbs didn't tap out. He was out. Samoa Joe submitted him. 
Samoa Joe is your new TNT champion. On top of and that's what I was going to start doing here on the Card Subject Change podcast. Every time there's a title change, uh, I got to do my Fink, uh, Howard Finkel. God, going back and watching those old WWF shows, hearing him. TNT champion Samoa Joe. So riddle me this, Wizard. This sets up final battle uh, on December 10th. Samoa Joe and Wardlow for uh, the TNT and the Ring of Honor TV title. Oh, absolutely! I would have to. You would have to think so. There's no way around that. The, it's obvious with Wardlow not getting pinned. Uh, not being a factor in the outcome of the match, that so this rivalry is not over. Or does Hobbs have a claim to that match as well, and they make it a triple threat? Do we get this match again at Final Battle, regardless Ooh. if it's a if it's a one on one match or a three way? Yeah, I I hope we get this at Final Battle. I hope this is something that's announced on Wednesday. It's dynamite. I hope that that card starts to shape up. And would hey, they want to make this a rematch? I'm all for it. I love this match, and a sour taste of mouth as I had after the Soraya Britt Baker match. I started to feel happier, and I had my second moment of the night where I jumped up out of the couch. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, where you seen Joe coming in to put the sleeper on Hobbs for the win? Um, you know, stolen from Wardlow, wasn't finished, submitted, and Samoa Joe is your champion. So, let me uh, ask you this: a lot of things and- uh, interesting here going in the next couple weeks. Let me ask you this. Obviously not right away because Joe and Wardlow is still going to be going on for a little bit, but does taking that title off of Wardlow set things up for another rivalry for a bigger title down the road? I don't want to spoil anything about later in the show because we'll get there. Just put a That's pin in that and think about that for a minute. The first thing I said to the, my friends that I was watching with, they were bummed that Wardlow lost, but it might be Wardlow losing to put over Samoa Joe one more time because there's bigger fish to fry for Wardlow. Yeah. Very, yeah, so, you caught that too. I'm glad you caught that. Hey, it takes a keen eye to be part of card subject to change, does it not? <laughs> you got to be quick on your feet. You got to be, you got to always be tuned in. And speaking always tuned in, you know, we go backstage. Jericho is celebrating, still being the Ocho. Him and Sammy are backstage. And I love this interaction because, or, or no, no, I'm sorry. Guevara's not with him. The, uh, it's Jake Hager who's with, uh, with Jericho. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised because when I see Jake Hager back there, I'm thinking, when was the last time he was in a match? Which, which I'll ask you, Nick, when was the last time we saw Jake Hager in the ring? Was it Blood and Guts? That's a good question. It might be. And I'm wondering if he's got a Bellator fight coming up. He is still under contract with Bellator and still fights for them. So I believe Bellator, if it's, if it's a different organization, I'm sorry, I apologize. But maybe he's trying to, maybe he's in a fight camp and he's just making the appearances. That's why we haven't seen him get into any uh, physical altercations. Don't believe he's injured, but maybe he has an uh, upcoming fight that he's training for. Well, after this backstage segment, we are going to see him in the ring again here uh, coming up this Wednesday. Because 
after Orange Cassidy drops the the bomb on Jericho, and I am I, I this segment went so fast, Nick. Who is who did Orange Cassidy? What's the the Japanese wrestler's name that's going to be challenging Jericho on oh, Dynamite? The Stone Pitbull Tamaharo Ishii. Thank you. I, I excuse me. I'm sorry. I was burping when I said his name. It's Tamaharo Ishii. I'm sorry. I totally apologize. We've seen him appear before on uh, Dynamite Rampage, and um, we're going to see him again on Wednesday night. Um, this is when, and then we see. Well, here's Orange here's Cass- the thing. Orange After Cassidy is there with the All Atlantic Championship. Exactly. Jake Hager looks at Cassidy. Holds up the like, championship the and bag? goes, he goes, do you like this? And Jake Hager, I love it. He goes, like I like this hat. Love it. <laughs> Great comedy line from a guy you're not expecting comedy from. That's when the best comedy is the person in the room you're not expecting it from. Like I like this hat. We have yeah. an agreement and there's a match on Wednesday night. So, so we've got. I've got. Three I, I've big got a problem. I've got a problem with this. We're okay. booking Wednesday night, and this show's not even over. Yeah, I can understand that. You can make announcements after. I understand, but they almost. I don't. They almost made dynamite more important towards the end of the show than full gear. You know, I got to give a call back to last week when we were talking about Survivor Series 1990. Yep. You watch that pay-per-view. Not once are they promoting a show that's coming up until... Okay, uh, there was one time in the middle where they mentioned it. But they don't hype up anything going on after that event. No, they they hyped up their next pay-per-view. They hyped up their next pay-per-view, which was Royal Rumble. Yeah. That was it. I understand you're trying to fill your card for Wednesday, but you got you released so many matches on social media. I don't. I, I wish they would have limited the announcement of matches, if that makes any sense, and just keep focus on this show because man, there's a lot going on here in our next match. In the match that I think I told you off air, the match that I was I thought would be like a, a sleeper match. And that is uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against Sting and Darby Allen. I, against who? Sting and Darby Allen. Who? That is better. That is much better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've railed on AEW, not on this podcast, but others. But one thing they have done right, and I will accolade it and stick up for it, they have treated Sting and booked Sting. Accordingly, he's never looked foolish, in my opinion. You know, they've never made him look like a caricature. And Sting still has that mystique. And AEW, you're getting an applause from me. You have handled Sting, and booking him with Darby Allen has been great. I think this is the best pairing they have as far as, like, a, a mentorship type of pairing, for sure. Sting and Darby Allen, they just they fit together so well because of how AEW has been presenting them. I couldn't, I can't think of anyone else who would have been better for Sting to be paired with than Darby, you know, at, at this point, even going back, who else would you have paired him with? I mean, 
you're right. Well, now it looks perfect, but look at it. Generational gap there, right? Yeah. Completely different styles of wrestling. And now that they've come together, you know, never did I think I'd be seeing Sting doing these dives. How old is he? At 63? Yeah. I, I think he's 62, 63, something like that. When he did that crowd railing spot onto uh, Jarrett and Lethal last night, my goodness, I, I jumped up and like, it's Sting! I just, I freaking <laughs> loved it because never did I think we'd be seeing things and stuff like that. And it's done within the confines and within reason. Okay, the spots are done within confines and within reason of the match where he's just not doing them every week. And that's what makes it special, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're handling Sting really well, the best that he's been handled in recent years. WWE, when he was with Sting, I'm glad that they brought him in. I'm so grateful they put him in the Hall of Fame. He deserved it. But he was not handled well by Vince and company. <clears throat> no, and I hope that he you know, stays here as a manager. I would love to see Sting and Darby Allen in a run as tag champs. Why not? Um, in a tag team division that needs more teams, those two, they're magic together. They don't have to wrestle every show or every pay-per-view, but having them as a part of it um, makes the show better. I never, you know, seeing Darby Allen wrestle is not my favorite style of wrestling, but – I've grown accustomed to it, and I've gained respect for him. You know, that's, that's his style of wrestling. He's, he's got a lot of Jeff Hardy in him. Yes. Maybe more, you know, maybe a sober Jeff Hardy that's more of a risk taker. I don't know yeah. if you follow Darby Allen on social media. Like, in his off time, he's always ramping cars and stuff and flipping them. But the pairing of these two, I don't – if Darby Allen isn't paired with Sting – I don't think I like Darby Allen as much as I do now, and I don't think I appreciate Sting as much as I do right now. And I hope uh, I hope they don't break that pairing up like they did with Christian and Jungle Boy. That would be a mistake in my opinion, at least uh, at I this agree. juncture. I, I agree. It would be. Um, <sighs> one thing I would like to see um, I would like to see them do something with Jay Lethal. My God, he's so talented. And, I mean, having him with Jared makes sense. They were in Flair's last match together. I'm fine with yeah. this angle, but I hope something becomes of Jay Lethal in, in, in AEW. I would like to see him in their main title picture. He's been a former world champion in TNA. ROH, he's held world titles before. Why they have him where they do, I guess I can understand for right now. There's not a lot of, well, I, I, I was going to say there's not a lot of open spots at the top right now, but there really is. There's a lot of room. There's a lot. We got this whole Ring of Honor thing coming up too, you know, that we talked about earlier uh, here on the Card Subject to Change podcast. Um, hello, if you're listening in live, thank you for joining us. Regardless, you know, 
does Jay Lethal take more of an active role in Ring of Honor, where he could be showcased yeah. more? You know, uh, maybe he's let's, the one that takes. It. I don't know. Let's take a like sidebar on that for just a minute. Sure, and sure. Talk about Ring of Honor because you've got some great talent from Ring of Honor. You've got the Ring of Honor titles that are really just sitting there, and you're only doing a pay per view every so often for ROH. Tony Khan needs to get off his ass and get ROH a TV deal and turn it into what NXT is for WWE. Get rid of the YouTube stuff and focus with ROH being your training ground for new wrestlers. Have a couple of veterans sprinkled in there like Jay Lethal and build ROH to be AEW's answer to NXT. That's my opinion. Well, this past week's press conference with uh, with AEW President Tony Khan, they he, he spoke that the TV deal announcement would come shortly after Final Battle. Okay, so Fair. that's why you have Jericho as champion, big name with your title and, and that allure. That match definitely helped it last night being on the pay per view, and then I think with the possibility of the AEW roster go both ways with Ring of Honor. So you're always going to have talent there that's fresh. You know, you're not featured on one show. You know, go down to Ring of Honor. It's not, yeah, use it like NXT. Use it as developmental, you know, like the Off Boys, you know, the, the Gun Club. They should be working with FTR, correct? FT, correct. Each and them, you know, learning from them, you know. Looking forward to, you know, other matches down the road, but you got to get that younger talent more refined because Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, John Moxley—they're not going to be around, you know, no. forever. So, no. you got to start building for the future now. And I think that's—I hopefully that's how they treat it. Uh, but only time will tell, right? Right. And, you know, I say get rid of the YouTube stuff. I'm not saying completely, but you've got so much talent that you're putting onto your YouTube channel. Uh, as far like Dark Elevation is a bunch of squash, ma- squash matches. Independent wrestlers going against their main roster guys. Last time I checked in, just for, just for a winner, a win for the main roster talent. Sure. As Dark is a little bit different. Dark is more of a developmental area. But do away with that. Move those guys that are that you're developing on Dark into ROH. Bring in some newer independent talent that you've used before. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Anybody from Black and Brave, not saying that that has to be exclusive, but they've had several Black and Brave graduates on their internet programming. Shout out to JT Energy being one of them who is on the show. You can catch his interview in our archives. <laughs> That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Uh, Card Subject Change Podcast. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And now on YouTube. Hello, world. <laughs> Moving on up. I'm not to the YouTube side. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, back to back to full gear. You've got you've got Darby Allen, and it's 
going up against the black machismo not in that gimmick here jay lethal and spend my days working hard on the go jeff jared um this was a jeff really jared wearing the, like the 98 SummerSlam shorts um this is you know we've seen i've seen jared jared work in gcw and he was the guest referee at SummerSlam for the usos and the street profits you know, he's wearing the, the black pants and the black Under Armour cutoff or sleeveless. But here we go. We're going back to 1998 uh, in TNA, Jeff Jarrett. 100% we are. Jeff Jarrett, um, he looks good in this match. He is not uh, – I don't think he's lost a step at all. And he's been all over the place this year between Flair's retirement match, SummerSlam, like you said, as the guest referee, and now here he is in AEW. He's not just an in-ring talent. He's got some backstage work going on as well. Comes out with a red guitar. This is the first time I've seen a red one. How about you, Nick? Oh, geez. I can't remember. Uh... <sighs> yeah, they've been black ones before, have they not? Black or silver, depending on his gimmick. Okay, yeah. But he did have he did have red in the ring gear. Yeah, he did. So this is matching his outfit. Yep. Uh, very stylish. Very, um, very fashionista of him. <laughs> this, this this match, though, you know, is all over the place. Um, I love how Satnam Singh gets involved. I'm not a big fan of his, but oh, he's, he's there to help Satnam out. Singh. <clears throat> If you ever want to look up the definition of trust fall, look up Darby Allen falling backwards off a 25-foot ladder only to get caught right before he hits the ground by Satman Singh. That's the okay. definition of a trust fall. Nick, you've been there all day. I'm going to tell you this one time. Get out of my head right now. You've been there the whole show. That's exactly where I was going. Darby Allen pulls out a ladder. He channels his inner Jeff Hardy, falls backwards to go after Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh just plucks him out of the air like he's nothing. <clears throat> um, we rewound it live because we couldn't believe it. Like, you think Darby Allen's not going to be caught, like, snatches him out of the air like it'd be like a a, a grown man as a toddler fell, just caught him in the air and then threw him or no. And then picked him up for the razor's edge and walked and him back to the ring. He walked about 20 feet to get to the, to the entrance ramp, the bottom of the entrance ramp to slam him for the razor's edge. Oh, and when he did, when he threw Darby Allen, it looked like Darby landed funny. And I was like, oh, no. But then Satman Singh has more trust falls um, to do, as I believe he caught, was it lethal off the ladder? Yeah. I like the involvement here of Satman Singh. You had to have him there for those spots, having him catch Darby Allen and then having him toss Darby Allen like, like a bad habit. That's cool. That's, a, that's visual. It's, you got the, a giant tossing around a small guy, you know. That adds to it. And then the Giants there to help out his friends and catching them off the ladder. And then 
I know there's a lot going on here, but this match solidified the rest of the show for me. If, 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 the, if the triple threat didn't come and this, I, I don't know if I would have made it through this show. Um, I loved everything about this match. I really thought Jarrett and Lethal would go over uh, to build a feud maybe between Jarrett and Darby Allen, but uh, the team of and Darby Allen are victorious. Yeah, and what a, what a fun match this was. It was anything goes, but I have about halfway through my notes watching this. You know, the matches anything goes, they're they're battling battling all over the place. Everybody's involved, going crazy, and then it just evolves into a standard tag match for a short period of time when they get back in the ring, which I thought was a little odd. But did, I don't know if you noticed that, Nick. They, yeah, they do all sorts of shenanigans up in the what, ramp and the guardrail and all that. Okay, of the 10 matches on this card, CZ, how many were no DQ? Ooh. You tell me, because I, there were... I don't know the answer, but it's multiple. Yeah, the cage match for sure. Cage match, obviously. Triple threat is going to be no DQ, because yep. that's the rules of any triple threat. <clears throat> you got this match, that's at least three. Uh, the Ring of Honor four-way for the title. That was no DQ. Yeah. Okay. I know the tag title match is no DQ. I forgot that was no DQ. <clears throat> so, you see a pattern here. I like this match, but we got to start wave. We got to start waving this no DQ clause. You can't have that on every match. That's no. It just takes away from them. I'm fine with it in this match here. But if this is a no DQ match, then maybe the four-way should have been the only other one up until this point. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. The four-way, maybe the three-way too, because those are the way those are those matches are just laid out. What is it with you and three ways and four ways? I don't have an answer. No, I'm talking about the matches. I don't know where your I don't know where your gutter's going. Where your mind's in the gutter. I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, I love I love when there's more than one match. <laughs> and the show has gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> oh me, oh my. <laughs> Anyways, did you have any more notes on that match? No. Well, that's no, no, no. I think we can go on to the women's match. Yeah, do we want to take one more break, or are we going to push on through here? Yeah, let's, uh, let's toss. Let's take one more quick break here. Uh, we'll just we – we only have two promos that we play. We'll just play the – we'll talk about our four fantasy sake team. And then we'll be right back, okay? Make sure you tune in for Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, 
at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. Thank you. We're back here. Card Subject to Change podcast, along with the Wizards CZ. I am the honorable one, Nick Bull. We are reviewing AEW's Full Gear uh, show from last night. We just completed the review of Match 7, Sting and Darby Allen victorious over Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And now we go to the interim women's championship match. Your current title holder, Tony Storm, is your interim champion, and she is taking on Jamie Hayter. Uh, Jamie Hayter has quickly become uh, very over in the women's division. Uh, if I, she uh, is the protege of Britt Baker. Uh, I think we kind of see the stars aligning and probably years down the road, a Jamie Hayter-Britt Baker feud. Tony Storm has been nothing short of extraordinary. I, I, I liked Tony Storm coming in. Um, she was a WWE NXT castaway, I think, during the the Vince mass firing regime. She's landed in AEW, has won the has won the interim title, and has done a good job. Um, the real life wife of Juice Robinson, who is under contract with AEW and works with New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Um, in-ring work is great. I think she might have legit broke her nose in this match. Um, whether it was by accident, I don't know. Jamie Hayter um, has the MMA background, has the wrestling as well, coming from the UK. And I don't know if Tony Khan has been listening to my, my thoughts or my conversations or with other people, but we might get a dream match here as... Jamie Hayter, with the help and antics of Rebel and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, has become your interim women's champion, sparking some controversy. Are we going to get the title unification match that I've been begging for? Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hayter. That would be amazing. If you can recall... Earlier this summer, Thunder Rosa was called out by some people for being stiff in the ring and being hard to work with. And Jamie Hayter had threatened her, and allegedly Thunder Rosa was hiding in the women's restroom from her so she wouldn't get her ass kicked. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, what is uh, what is Thunder Rosa's status right now? I know she's well, injured. She was brought up at the press Restrooms and whatnot, and, and Tony, you know, we'd like to, we want to give her every opportunity to come back. I, I know there was talk she, about her, uh, her wanting to step away from her contract. Well, at first it was an injury, which maybe it was, but then this Jamie Hader stuff came out, and I would say, hey. Let's side on the side of Thunder Rosa, but I know when she was leaving NWA, it became very clear that she was hard to work with there as well on her way out. I think Tony needs to keep the right people happy in the women's division. It goes without saying, the Britt Bakers, right? Right. Homegrown Jamie Hayter is now your new uh, interim uh, women's champion. 
which was a pleasant surprise for me. For Thunder Rosa to be stripped, and I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll see her compete in a, in an AEW ring again. That would not surprise me at all. It's disappointing, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, looking at this this match, you know, I think it was the right call. I think Jamie Hayter becoming the and new. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. And new AEW Women's Interim Champion Jamie Hayter. I uh, so so I don't always listen to the commentary for move names. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. Is Jamie Hayter's finisher called the Haterade? I believe so. I love it. That so is do the I. Best name. <laughs> this was a good hard-hitting matchup. Both of these gals, I mean, for a 15-minute match, the crowd was into this match. Uh, the crowd was very much into this match as opposed to the next match. But the Tony Storm-Jamie Hayter match, um, after the dud that was the TBS title and after the poor booking decision of the Britt Baker and Soraya match, this match made up for those two decisions. The right decision was made in putting the new the belt on Jamie Hayter. And this was the best women's match of the night. It was better than Britt Baker and Soraya. Let me throw out that I love that there were three women's matches on this card. The women are getting a huge spotlight in AEW. Uh, whether there's a good booking decision or not, whether the match was good or not, or not, they're getting highlighted. They're getting their due. And I love that about AEW. Uh, WWE is trying to do their best as well. I mean, look at the Saudi show. We had, what, two women's matches featured there? Uh, no, we had we had the women's tag, correct? Yeah. And we had uh, the, Bianca the and Bailey, correct? Yeah, Bianca and Bailey. Yep, there you go. Yeah, yep. So, so I love it that professional wrestling is giving more focus to the women's division all around. Absolutely. I think that's great. I do too. And this match definitely performed. I loved, um, I thought they'd put this match on earlier. Um, but in where they put the Britt Baker match, um, I understand. This was a fun match. This yeah. was a fun match. And I'm going to say, this was the. This, this was the third match in a row, starting with the TNT uh, championship match, followed by Sting and Darby. That was just – there wasn't a lot of BS. It was constant. And the crowd – and the crowd noticed that and appreciated that, and I thought the crowd really got back into it in matches six, seven, and eight. And then I was the next match here. I was looking or I was listening for the crowd to see where they were going to go. But scissor me timbers, Nick, it's time for the uh, world tag match. It's time for the world tag match. Uh, the acclaimed, which uh, they came out pretty good, a pretty good rap. I don't remember all of it, but uh, I believe, the, I believe. The, uh, the line that caught me, the line that got me the most. Yes, say it. Say it. Swerve looks like Randall from Monsters Inc. Yep, that's the line. That <laughs> was the line. 
I I died when they said that. When Max Caster said that. I'm like, oh my. <laughs> Rap was good. Um, I'm gonna be honest here. I was completely disappointed with this match. Not the booking, not I think I think the crowd was dead. They just had three huge three hard hitting matchups. I don't think the crowd had it in them, and the crowd needed a breather, and it felt like to me they took this match off. Not the participants, but the crowd. Well, there were some uh, <clears throat> there were some chants going during the crowd. They were a bit subdued to the point where I was I was struggling. I did my best to kind of tell what were they chanting. Were they? I think it was a mix between "Oh, swerve in our glory." And oh, scissor me, daddy! I don't think it was a solid chant on either side of the fence. Was this the match where the crowd was more worried about someone getting kicked out? Yeah, someone got kicked out during the show last night, and the crowd was reacting. The crowd started chanting "asshole, asshole," and that's when that happened. Was that during (sighs) this match? My mind is okay. There you go. The crowd was more interested in a, in a fight in the crowd than the match that was going on in the ring. That that can be dangerous, and I like the acclaimed. I like Swerving Lee. We do. We finally get. We finally get the split between Swerving Lee. Yeah, but it's not how we expected. I love how this split happened. Yeah, walk us through it, Nick. I'm I have Absolutely. it in my notes, but walk us through Swer- this. Is, Swerving Lee. This was a good switch. Yeah, it was. Swerving Lee decided we have the upper hand and are just double team move after double team move. But each time they're kicking out. Each time they're kicking out. Finally, Swerve has had enough and wants to use the Clippers that he used on Billy Gunn's fingers to disable the acclaimed. He kind of slaps them into the hand of Keith Lee, puts Keith Lee's, has the clips push Keith Lee to the chest, like, go do it. Keith Lee looks at these like, you want me to cut somebody's fingers off? He drops them and then just walks away. Well, I noted that not only does he drop him, he helps Anthony Bowens up to his feet and pats him on the back before he turns. Yes, yes, and exits the ring. Yeah, yeah, yes. Dude, that's a great split. That's a great split. And there was a a lot of build to it throughout the match. Swerve goes out into the crowd and brings a friggin' guardrail and lays it against the ring. And Keith Lee looks at him like, what in the hell are you doing? And guess who went through that guardrail? Keith Lee. Keith Lee. And that was a pretty good spot in the match. Um, yeah. I hope everybody was okay after it because that that looked like it could have hurt. Um, but no, I mean, so oftentimes we see tag teams split by getting jumped from behind. And all he did was, uh, I've had enough of this crap. See, uh, I, I liked it. I really did. Um, the They've been teasing retained. it forever. They're, yep, they've been teasing it. They follow through, and now we're going to have Swerve and Lee battle. 
And, and styles make fights, right? You got the big guy who can work like a smaller guy, and you've got Swerve who, who can have the stand-up kick game, and he can do the high-flying stuff too. So I, I like the dynamic between these two, and I think yeah, I think I think Swerve is at his best when he is the heel, and we're going to see maybe AEW's most underrated wrestler in 2022 look for a bust-out year in 2023 from, from Swerve. Yeah, this is going to be big. And both of these, both of these men, Keith Lee kind of got a raw deal when he got brought up to the main roster um, in WWE. Triple H knew how to how to handle him, how to push him. Vince did not. Uh, so the Bearcat went to AEW after he got his release, and it's just been handled so much better. And now I'm anxious to see where not only Lee goes because he's got unlimited potential note i say unlimited he is limitless <laughs> I, I heard you <laughs> he is unlimitless <laughs> uh, but you've got sneaky swerve who has got a lot of potential on his own uh, <laughs> this is this is this is going to be a great build. This is going to be a lot of fun to see where Lee and Swerve go from here. Um, after this, we get just a recap of the matches announced for Dynamite. The uh, the best of seven trios between the Elite and Death Triangle, because, you know, we really needed that. The um, Orange Cassidy versus Jake Hager. Jericho versus Ishii. So Dynamite has some matches to prep for, but we go right now to our main event. Let's get ready to rumble. The undisputed AEW World Heavyweight Championship, MJF taking on the champion John Moxley. Just to kind of rewind it back a little bit. Excuse me. MJF won. The casino battle royal or the casino ladder match, getting the chip to cash in at his leisure, back at at uh, all out, came in masked, had the firm behind him uh, to help him. They it was actually Stokely Hathaway who grabbed that chip, handed it to MJF. We didn't get the big reveal as to who the who that was, MJF revealed himself at the very end of the night. And now here we are, the last couple of weeks we've been building to this. MJF has wanted the firm to absolutely have nothing to do with John Moxley. Wanted to have, wants Moxley at 100%. So, uh, you know, you see the back and forth there between Stokely and MJF. You see a lot of teases. MJF is turning face for all intents and purposes as we go into this match, Nick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what we've been led to believe. He wants, he doesn't want to cut corners. Um, seems like the motivating factor has been this email that Steven Regal, back when he was in WWE, did or did not send back to MJF, you know, trying to encourage him to, you know, keep doing it, don't cut corners. So it seems like he does. It, it, it's more about proving Regal wrong to me than beating Mox. Yeah, and that's been tease coming up. 
he doesn't want to cut corners. Since when is a heel wanted to cut, care about cutting corners? Okay. He wants Moxley at 110%. So he fired the firm. Well, the firm jumps him. What's that lead you to believe? Well, God, you, you've got to think that they're taking their biggest heel and making him a face, which Nick and I have talked about both on and off air. Would have been a huge mistake. It would have left a big vacuum in the on the heel side of the main title picture. Yeah, it would have been a big mistake, wouldn't it? Yeah, but let's get into it. Let's let's talk about why it, it ended up not being a big mistake, Nick. This match was everything that I had hoped it would be. I don't know about you. I am so happy that we didn't get mock bleeding in this match. Yeah. It was a ring-based affair. Yes, there were some outside shenanigans, but that sealed the storyline arc. I loved how I loved how Moxley focused on MJF knee, and MJF struggled with that knee. That was yeah. the that was kind of the center point of the match. The knee, of course, happening when MJF hits this wicked tombstone on the apron and his knee comes right down on where the metal bar would have been that holds the side of the ring on. That's where the knee injury comes into play. Let me ask you a question. Thoughts on the tombstone pile driver and being used six times at this pay-per-view. Excessive. I love the tombstone pile driver. Um, I, I kind of wish people wouldn't use it because of the Undertaker's legendary and historic 30-year run, and that was his his big signature. So I wish that people would honor that and not touch the tombstone. But I understand why that's not a possibility. The fact that it got used as many times. There was a triple tombstone in the, in the trios match by Death Triangle. You've got, obviously, MJF. Hitting it on the apron. Too much. Well, and then you have Mox hit it again through a table. So I... Yeah. If that's my biggest complaint about this match, so be it. It wasn't... It wasn't a schmoz outside. It was ring-based. And, you know, we're in MJF's backyard. Yep. The crowd's leaning toward MJF. And I thought John Moxley did a masterful job of playing off the crowd and wrestling how he should have wrestled as the face in a heel town. I thought he did a, a remarkable job in this match. And, you know, he hits the paradigm shift early. And the Very early. It's, it's over. The commentary team's like, oh, it's done. MJF just lost the match. No. There there was another point in this match <laughs> where he Mox does the paradigm shift off the top ropes. And I thought the way MJF landed, he blew out both his knees. Oh yeah. I go, oh no, oh no. You can't do this now. So close to the finish line. He can't blow his knees out. But knees were fine. He did a great job of How do you say? It? I want. I thought MJF did a great job of being in the moment last night. One hundred percent. 
You know, he teases using the dynamite diamond ring. Regal gets in his face about it, so he throws it outside the ring. But what? how does the match end, Nick? He comes in, uh, Regal, Regal that is, and hands the slip slip brass knuckles to MJF. Uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman hitting the quote unquote power of the punch, as they used to call it, with the from William Regal. And we've got a new go ahead and say it, Nick. And the winner of this match, and AEW world champion. You guessed it, folks. Maxwell Jacob Friedman completes the prophecy on winning the poker chip and is now the new world champ. And I th that was where I started talking about that poker chip. Cashes it in, becomes the new champion. The devil finally gets his due. <clears throat> and uh, for and, those of and you pause. listening... And pause. I now want to apologize. The AEW... For when they were, we thought they were turning him heel or turning him face, and they just solidified his heel turn. But I also had that caveat: the only way they could save this was Regal, in, in my opinion, me as as a viewpoint, was Regal aligning himself with MJF, because now MJF's got a fresh slew of competitors lining up. You know, so this is going to be interesting. I love it. I love that Regal Regal finally gave his approval. I love it. And I'm I'm going to applaud AEW. Masterfully done with the face teases for the last month and a half, two months. Masterfully done. Yeah, Only to very... come back and as our as our uh, friend Vince Russo would say Swerve, bro. <laughs> Swerve, bro. Oh man, I want to. I want to. I want a Vince Russo, Matt. Uh, a Vince Russo riddle, bro. Off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. that would be amazing. You know, my only, my only knock on this pay per view is that they're getting long. If you watch the pre-show, that's five hours. Um. Yeah, when you're I, there, you don't realize it, but when you're sitting at home watching it, you do. Um, I like the world championship match. Moxley's probably, you know, Moxley's going to take his break now, his much deserved break after he got the company through its darkest days after uh, the all out debacle. Um, he probably takes a break now. When he comes back, MJF's still the champ. Boom, you got your rematch. So, um, and Nick, let you know, me Dynamite, present Dynamite, this. Dynamite's going to be interesting, despite the fact, you know, I. They almost at times make Dynamite more important than this show as the show was going on. Dynamite is going to be interesting. Um, Got to open the show with the new world champ, right? In Chicago. I would, I would imagine so, yeah. In Chicago where he won the <laughs> poker chip. Kind of, yeah. stick it, kind of sticks it to Chicago a little bit, doesn't it? It kind of does, doesn't it? Uh, it's going to be very There's interesting. There's no way. There's no way he doesn't open that show. He has to open the show. He's the new world champ, man. He has to, right? Yeah. And 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit here. <clears throat> so I want to throw back first before I talk about that. Remember when we were talking about the triple threat match, Nick? Um, I had said something. You and I had talked about how oh, taking the title off of Wardlow is possibly a step towards bigger things. Well, who was uh, who was Wardlow's biggest rival through this year, most of this year? Well, what was MJF's last pay-per-view match? Exactly. I mean, obviously before the latter match. He did fight Wheeler Yuta on Dynamite, but it was Wardlow. Wardlow destroyed him at Double or Nothing. Destroyed him. So... Now, I don't want to see that match right away. I want MJF, you and I talked about off-air, <clears throat> want to see people right around the same size as MJF, the same capabilities. We don't want to see him go right into a match against a bigger dude. But that writes itself right there, in my opinion. Sure it does. Sure it does, down the road. Down the road. Now you can, now, now you can see Wardlow again as the chaser. And hopefully this is going to work out for Wardlow. Um, whether or not he wins the final battle to me is inconsequential, inconsequential, because now your long-term story to me is Wardlow MJF. And hey, let's stretch it out. Doesn't have to be now. Doesn't no. have to be six months from now. A year, maybe, but let's let's see how we can get to that in some way. You don't see long-term builds like that in modern wrestling anymore. And I would love to see that one drawn out where here, here's a suggestion of how I would play it. Wardlow's going to look at MJF with the title and think, okay, well, you're a bastard. I don't like you. I'm going to come after you because of what you've done to me in the past. But roadblocks keep getting put in front of Wardlow whether they're by MJF or by other other means, so that we only get a tease of that matchup, let's say, every two to three months. Yeah. Just kind of a brush of Wardlow and MJF every they, they couple of months. They've proven they can do it. They did it with this MJF, uh, you know, bringing him back at all out of the devil and the, in the poker chip. They did it. They can do it. Let's see if we can do another long-term. And they did it with Hangman Page. And, and uh, Kenny Omega as well, and uh, you know we hope to see Kenny Omega, or excuse me, hope to see Hangman Page and Adam Cole baby back soon. I hope to see those guys. Want to see them back? You know, both dealing with concussions, of course. Yeah, I I love Adam Cole for sure. Uh, Adam Page is a tremendous wrestler. Wish them both the best. Wanting to have them recover. Um, and get back in the ring soon. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to say coming out of this pay-per-view, and we're going to wrap up after this, Nick, if you haven't watched it yet, find the press conference following the show. Go to MJF segment. He cuts a fantastic heel promo at the, uh, at the media scrum following the event. Well yeah, worth your time. I've seen clips of this. Yeah, it's uh, it's very uh, organic, if you will, organic and raw. But MJF uh, is going to get eyes on you for sure in this press conference. He does. Um, yeah, that 
it compared the last press conference to this one, this one was uh, very mild, uh, despite the MJF language. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick, we're looking at about an hour, 45 minutes into the show. I think this is the longest we've gone, and not without reason. AEW put on a very long show, uh, but there was a lot to unwrap, a lot to talk about. Uh, yep. Let's let's put a bow on this episode and talk about next week. Uh, yeah, looking forward to next week. Uh, as it's one of your favorites, Survivor Series. Uh, War Games. And... We've got the men's and women's match. Uh, we have both sides solidified on the men's side. On SmackDown the other night, Kevin Owens was the, was the fifth and final member of, uh, of the team headed by Sheamus, uh, the Brawling Brutes, and Drew McIntyre. Of course, they're taking on the bloodline. That'll be fun. A lot to transpire there. Looking forward to how that shakes out. Um, and the women's war games match as well. I don't know what else is on that card. I'm looking forward to it. You mentioned MJF and the presser. I also wanted to mention on the show this morning or overnight, there was an event in Japan where Kenny Omega appeared or via a taped video and Omega Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom has been made official for the IWGP US title. That is going to be a killer match. <clears throat> Say what you will about the elite, whether you love them, you hate them. <clears throat> I don't outright hate them. I don't think Nick outright hates them. They're they're tremendous athletes. Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, that is a long-seated rivalry, and that match will not disappoint. No. No, there's going to be a lot to shake out on that show. Jay White, Okada, I know FTR will be defending the IWGP uh, titles against uh, a winner of the current uh, uh, tag tournament they're holding. So that's around the corner in the new year. We're glad you're with us here still in 2022. We're doing Survivor Series 22 next week on the Card Subject Change podcast. Look for us on all social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us on YouTube when we record. We're live. Please subscribe, like, leave a comment. Let us know how you feel. Uh, Be a part of the show. Yeah, we'd love your feedback. We'd love to hear from you what your opinions and thoughts are, not only on our show, but wrestling in general. Uh, We've got uh, some some interviews that we're trying to line up for – uh, a little bit, maybe late December, early early 2023. A lot going on. We're going to, just to give you guys a little tease, following up our follow-up to Survivor Series 2022, we're going to go back in time to 2001, talk about vengeance of that year from that December. Uh, a couple of other things. We're going to look at Final Battle of this year, NXT's Deadline, Starcade 97. Those are just a few things coming up in the next month and a half or so. Uh, just to give you a refresh on where exactly to find us on social media, Card Subject to Change Podcast on Facebook, CSTC Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Nick is at NickBull55. I am at the Wizard CZ. That's going to wrap us up today. Thank you for tuning in. If you joined us live, Uh, Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you next week for Survivor Series War Games. So long, everybody.